Welcome to the Wake Before the Day podcast with my parents, Clark and Bobby. We'll talk about the Bible and the Holy Spirit adventures. Thanks for listening. Hey, what's up, my friends? Thanks for hopping on the podcast. Today, you are stuck with just me. It is Pastor Clark hiding out in the office, and today is officially episode 81 of season 2, and we're going to be looking at Genesis 47. So as things are winding down in the book of Genesis, you see Joseph being happily reunited with his family. Right now there's a transition of Joseph's family moving to Egypt. They're finding uh, their new home in the land of Goshen, where they will be shepherds and uh, fertile land, very prosperous. It really is a happy ending to this story. And so what I'd like you to see is in the first couple of verses is you see Joseph's faithfulness ultimately to God, but also to Pharaoh has allowed Joseph now to be blessed and his family to be blessed. So here's the first six verses from today's reading. It says, Joseph went and told Pharaoh, my father and brothers with their flocks and herds and everything they own have come from the land of Canaan and are now in Goshen. He chose five of his brothers and presented them before Pharaoh. (laughs) That cracks me up. He probably chose the the kindest five or the best looking five. Um, So what did that say about the rest of them? I'm sure they had some fun conversations amongst the brothers. Uh, Verse 3, Pharaoh asked the brothers, what's your occupation? Your servants are shepherds, they replied to Pharaoh, just as our fathers were. They also said to him, we have come to live here for a while because the famine is severe in Canaan and your servants' flocks have no pasture. So now please let your servants settle in Goshen. Pharaoh said to Joseph, Your father and your brothers have come to you, and the land of Egypt is before you. Settle your father and their brothers in the best part of the land. Let them live in Goshen. And if you know any among them with special ability, put them in charge of my own livestock as well. So when you look back at where Joseph has come from, clearly Joseph has been loyal to Pharaoh Uh, He's provided hard work, integrity, character, a fruitful work, a fruitful ministry, so much so that Pharaoh trusts Joseph and says, sure, bless your family. Give them the best land. And by the way, if you can help me out, if any of them can take care of my livestock as well, have them hop over if they have special ability. So the, the beauty here is seeing when we're faithful and we work hard, and God allows us to, you know, have a fruitful life, a fruitful job, a fruitful ministry. The blessing he extends to us is like the trees, the branches of a tree that extend shade to other people as well. It's because of what God did in and through Joseph that everybody around him was impacted. And so that's important for you and I to note today. That how we live, how we work, how we conduct ourselves at school will be um impacting those around us for the better or for the worse, right? I remember in school growing up, I'd have, you know, older friends who would go through and some of them were stinkers and the teachers uh, really just had a hard time with them. And then their siblings came up and it was wrong of some of the teachers, but I could tell some of them naturally assumed, great, here comes another so-and-so. They're going to be just like their older brother or their older sister. Now, obviously, some of the mature teachers were able to kind of give a fresh reset and not have any assumptions, take the kids as they came in. But when we walk in faithfulness, we are kind, your word matters. So when someone asks you for a recommendation and you want to refer a friend or a family member, people are going to trust you because of how you've conducted yourself. Your words matter. Your input is weighty. Um, And so 
I, that's been my experience in my life too, uh, because of the way that my grandparents have conducted themselves, because of the way my parents conducted themselves, and many of my aunts and my uncles and my cousins even, uh, I was able to be connected and have jobs and have opportunities, not because of anything I did, just because of my family and their desire to love God and to love other people well. So I give that to you as a blessing today. When you look at Joseph, you see what you do matters and you build trust with people. People will be happy to bless you back and the blessing that you receive is able to be extended to those around you. You're blessed to be a blessing. What's interesting in this passage as well is that when Jacob is brought before Pharaoh, it says that Jacob blesses Pharaoh. In verse 7, it says, Then Joseph brought his father Jacob in and presented him before Pharaoh. He's 130 years old at this point. After Jacob blessed Pharaoh, Pharaoh then asked him, How old are you? And he explains it. Verse 10, as he's leaving, Jacob blessed Pharaoh and went out from his presence. There's something... um, to be said about honoring older people. And it's pretty cool to see that Pharaoh does this as well. But we're looking for opportunities to bless those uh, people we come into contact with. Pharaoh didn't really believe in Jacob's God, the real God. He didn't even know Jacob, but he received a blessing from him. And more so, Jacob was willing to kind of take a risk and bless Pharaoh. So another takeaway from today is who knows when you'll have an opportunity to pass on a blessing, whether it's to someone who is older than you more powerful than you, in a more prestigious position than you, and again to those who are beneath you or under your supervision. Maybe you're checking out from the grocery store. Give a God bless you. That's a popular line here at Emmanuel. You're leaving your friends. Hey, God bless you guys. Have a great day. There's ways that we can impart blessing and seek other people's well-being just through the ins and outs of our natural organic rhythm of life. So look for opportunities to bless other people. Now, what's interesting as you transition to the end of this chapter is you see Joseph handle the famine. You get to see the ins and outs. And so verses 13 through 26 show what happens when the famine hits years 5 and 6 and 7. People are having to sell their livestock so that they can live. Eventually, they're having to sell themselves and their land. And it's kind of sad because here you see the rich get richer and the poor get poorer. You know, some things never change in the world. But what's interesting here is that the priests aren't touched. There's something about the priests that uh, Pharaoh allows them to be untouchable, them to keep what's theirs and to keep their ministry going. It's very fascinating to see. And it's not until later on that God then through Moses is going to bring his people out of Egypt because what happens after this is God's people are prosperous. Uh, those living in Egypt continue to grow and multiply. And eventually they forget about Joseph. They forget about who God is and what God's done. And they put them in slavery. And that's where the story of Exodus comes in. But as Jacob is wrapping up his time with Joseph, he makes him make a promise. You go to verse 29 from today's reading. When the time drew near for Israel, or Jacob, to die, He called for his son Joseph and said to him, If I have found favor in your eyes, put your hand under my thigh and promise rest that you will show me the kindness and faithfulness. Do not bury me in Egypt, but when I rest with my fathers, carry me out of Egypt and bury me where they are buried. It's kind of an odd thing just so you know when you put your hand underneath someone's thigh, even someone's midsection, it's like the equivalent of a handshake today. I know it seems kind of weird. It's a different culture, different custom. I thank God that we don't have to do that today 
putting my hand underneath someone's sweaty thigh at church every week to say hello or to make a deal. <laughs> no, thank you. We're sticking with the handshake. But that's what's happening there. So just as you take a step back and you see the integrity of Joseph, the blessing of Joseph being extended to his family, but I want to point back and look at how this fits in the redemptive story of the Bible and how all of this again points us to Jesus Christ. When you look at the sins of Joseph's brothers here, there is division in the family. There's dissension. I'd actually put that back on Jacob for calling out Joseph to be his favorite and giving him that coat of many colors. And then Joseph causing more division by bragging about his dreams and not handling them correctly. Again, we give him grace. He was a young man. He was immature. He wasn't sure what was going to come from that. But still, what you see happens is that sin uh, makes us estranged from other people. Sin causes division. Sin builds up walls. Sin creates hostility. And that's what you see here. When Joseph is coming up to his brothers, what do they say? Here comes that dreamer. Let's kill him. Now let's throw him into the cistern and see if we can get something out of it. Sin causes division and estrangement, and that's what happens even with us to God. When you read Romans 1 and 2, it talks about how we are dead in our sins and our transgressions, how we were enemies of God, we were estranged from God. God is holy, He is good, He is perfect, He is without sin, and we can't come near Him because of His holiness and His goodness when we're living in our sin and we're not part of the Lord's family. And so God takes the initiative to bring us back to him. That's the overarching theme of the story in Christianity. God comes to do for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. And so when you look at this story, Joseph's brothers who sinned against him come and they're, they're in need of help. And so what does Joseph do? Joseph tests them, yes, but Joseph's the one who takes the initiative to redeem and rescue his people. And so he, Jesus is the more perfect Joseph. Jesus does for our, our salvation what Joseph did for their earthly bodies at that time. God takes the initiative to bring us back to him. And if we don't understand our brokenness, we're not going to be able to fully understand and celebrate Jesus' sacrifice for us. In this book of Genesis, you could really feel and see the weight of the brothers' actions in their past coming back to haunt them. I'm sure that made living in Goshen and being redeemed to Joseph and, and seeing their father light up again made that all the better. Well, it, it, we need to understand our depth of depravity and our brokenness for us to fully celebrate Easter and the resurrection and God's forgiving us. And so that's where the rest of the Bible comes in to look at what we've learned here in Genesis but point us to this reconciliation that ultimately happens not just between Joseph and his family, but between us and God. When you go through the scriptures, there's a number of great uh, passages that talk about this. Romans 5.10 says, For if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more being reconciled shall we be saved through his life? Again, there's a reconciliation that happens with those who repent and believe. You flip the pages to 2 Corinthians 5.18 and 19. Paul's saying, All of this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them as he has committed to us the message and the ministry of reconciliation. And last but not least, here's one from Ephesians 2, uh, verses 12 and 13. Remember that at one time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, 
and foreigners to the covenants of the promise without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Praise God. Hallelujah. So when you read this, sweet Joseph's reunited and reconciled to his brothers. Joseph's pointing us to Jesus who reconciles us to himself forever. There's a beauty to confessing of our sins, repenting and believing in the Lord, but then following him, taking up the way of Jesus and making it a way of life as we're called to worship him. So overall reminder, God's purposes will always prevail through our life circumstances and throughout human history. I'm not sure where you're coming from or what your background is, what your worldview, your political beliefs, whatever. When you look at what's happening, there is head-scratching moments for all of us every day. It doesn't matter who's in charge domestically or globally. You're looking at this going, God, where are you? How is that person a leader? I do not understand. Well, does trust as some of these heinous bills and laws are passed, as people are going to war and harming each other for whatever reason, that God's purposes will prevail, that God's above and beyond this. He's working in and through it. And God put you on this earth at this year, at this point in history for a reason. So let's worship the Lord. Let's follow him. Thanks for joining me today for the podcast on Genesis 47. As always, we'd love to hear what stood out to you from God's word. Keep reading it, writing it, praying it, sharing it. We'll be in touch and we'll talk to you on Friday. God bless you. Bye-bye. The Lord bless you and keep you. Don't make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give him his peace. Have a great day.